Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. You, uh, will you pray with me? God, thank you for the opportunity that we have right now to worship you. God, as we step into this space this morning, I ask that you would um, clear out anything in our hearts to make room for yourself, stuff that maybe we, we've been hanging on to over the last week, months, years, whatever it is, God, I ask that you would give yourself room now and speak clearly to us. God, as we just sang, we prayed for wisdom. God, we prayed for vision. And we invite you now to, to come with us now, to commune with us, just as you invited us long ago to commune with you. God, thank you that you have called us to be with you. And as your church now, God, we open ourselves to whatever it is you have for us as individuals and as a church body. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Thanks so much for being with us uh, this morning. My name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here at Ocean View. And as was mentioned earlier, today is kind of a special day for us. It's where we as followers of Jesus are going to um, partake of what is known as the Lord's Supper. And so I am so thankful for our worship team and for all of our other teams that work here at Ocean View to kind of allow us to have this space that have brought us on this journey this morning to this moment. We've been in this series over the last several weeks uh, called Do Over. And if you've been following along with us or if you've missed any, you can go back on, on, online and watch those. But we've been talking about this idea how sometimes in our life we need just a moment to just kind of pause. We need a moment to kind of have a do-over. And maybe that's a do-over in our schedules. It could be a do-over in our priorities and how we spend our time and how we use our finances. Sometimes it's a do-over in our relationships. And sometimes it's a do-over in how we treat our spouse or how we treat our kids. And so we need a do-over sometimes. We took it even a step further and we said, all right, what does it also mean then to have a do-over in our relationship with God? And the first week, Pastor Terry talked to us about how sometimes it's this up-rhythm that we have where we have our rhythm with, with God, right? And then there's this in-rhythm in our life where we need fellowship with other believers as the body of Christ to encourage one another, to equip one another, to come alongside of each other for the purpose of reaching out. And that's that out rhythm of finding people and helping them know and follow Jesus. That we don't just exist for the benefit of existing. We exist for the benefit of other people in our world to know and follow Jesus. And so today we are going to celebrate this idea of communion. Now when you think about the word communion, maybe, maybe some things come to mind. But I just want to be really clear this morning when we talk about communion today. That communion, like in, in church growing up, it was always presented as kind of like this event, right? It was like this thing that we would do. Communion is an event that, that maybe we attend, but it's not an event. It's actually a little bit more than that. It's, an, it's not just something we do. It is a lifestyle of who we are. 
I have, was reading in a book that was given to me by uh, our worship team. They said, hey, here's this book, and there's this chapter about communion, and it expressed this idea so interestingly that I just had to share it with you guys because I didn't want to mess it up or try to paraphrase. I'm just going to share it straight. This is what it said. Communion is Jesus' invitation to share the experience of life with him. Think about that for a moment. A shared experience with Jesus himself. Communion means join together. It literally means to become one or to reach unity with someone. Through his body and blood, Jesus has invited you to become one with him, to join with him in the benefits of his death so that you can join with him in the benefits of his resurrection. Communion means never being alone again because we have a God who is our friend. I love that phrase, never being alone again. Because there are moments in my life where sometimes I just feel really lonely. But we are never alone. Again, when I think about that word communion, the only other place that I can really think of in our culture where we use that word kind of regularly is when it comes to like marriage. You've ever been to a wedding and they say, and now we join together in a holy communion. And it's this idea that you are committing yourself to your, to your wife or to your husband, to your spouse. You're committing yourself to them. And it's this idea of communion that you're never going to be separated again from one another, that you're never going to be apart. It's this idea that we are unified together. But here's the thing, even in that scenario, because we are human, because we live in this broken world, and, and you know this, this is, this is true for, for uh, Christ-loving people as it is for anyone else in the world. Just the statistic that our entire country operates with is that 50% of marriages will end at some point, either in divorce or separation. And some of you in this room have been affected by that. But as we talked about last week, we can't change the past. We can't change our circumstances around us. We can only change how we respond to right now and moving forward. And so there's pain with that. And maybe you've been in any kind of relationship, whether it's with your kids or your parents or somebody in your family, a trusted friend, and you had communion together, you were in it together, it could be a business partner, whatever. You were on this idea together, you were on this journey together, and something happened and it kind of severed that. But when Jesus talks about communion, when Jesus has a relationship with you, you understand that you will never be alone again. That's incredible. And it's hard for me to even wrap my mind around that sometimes. Jesus, on the night that he was about to die, when he was sacrificing himself for the sins of the world, for me, for you, he gathered together with his disciples. He gathered together at a table. And he said, guys, we're just going to celebrate something together. They gathered together to celebrate Passover, which was a common thing. It was an annual celebration for God's people at that time. But Jesus gathers his disciples together on this evening. And look at what he says. This is from the book of Luke. He says, Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you. Before my suffering begins, for I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. I love this idea that he was eager. 
And he anticipated it. A few weeks ago, I met with Justin and Dave, and we were talking about today, we were talking about how do we build this anticipation? How do we kind of, as a church, go on this journey of being eager for communion, not just with Jesus, but with one another? And so all week, I have been looking forward to this day. I've been eager for this. Jesus was eager to be with his disciples at this moment. Do we have that same eagerness and ready of heart to be with him? Not just today, but every single day, he sets a table for us and he is eager to be with us. After they celebrate this together, and by the way, Passover was just a time to remember and like what happened thousands of years ago, as we kind of talked about last week, when, when God rescued his chosen people out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage, they instituted this Passover meal, this idea that they would always remember that moment. And then Jesus kind of at this night, he initiates a, a do-over, if you will, of what that meant, of what they were going to be celebrating. He kind of says, all right, that's what we celebrated before, but now there's something new and even better that is on the scene that I have been so excited to do with you. And it's going to change everything. It's going to change the world. And so on the night that he's about to sacrifice himself, as he's about to lay down his life, he celebrates this with them. And then afterwards, he begins to teach them. He begins to like kind of download as much as he can into his followers. He's like, he knows he just has a few moments left before he's about to suffer. And so he says, all right, I got some things I got to share with you. This is really important. Don't miss this. And, and John kind of records a lot of this for us. This is what John wrote down that Jesus said. Jesus says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. No, take note of that. He prunes the ones that are already bearing fruit. That's important. So they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message that I have given you. It's this idea, and I, I love this. So, so about a year ago, January of last year, I was reading this book, and there, and there was this phrase that just kind of stuck out with me. In the last several weeks, it's been like back into my mind like more than ever. And it goes back to this idea that Jesus sometimes prunes us so that we will produce more fruit. If you're a follower of Jesus, you need to understand this, that sometimes God's pruning is his protection in your life. Now, I read that in January of 2020, and two months later, the world changed, right? And man, you want to talk about a pruning in, in our, my own life personally? And for us as a church, as the body of Christ, things that were just getting cut back, things that were getting stripped away, things that maybe just needed to go, and it's painful at times. It's painful when we have to go through seasons where it's like, okay, we can't gather together. It's painful when we can't do the things. Man, if you could see the calendar that we had lined up for 2020, man, we had stuff lined up all year long, and it was just like, nope, 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 can't do that, can't do that. You understand God's pruning is his protection, and as painful as that is, it's important to know. You might be thinking, well, what is he protecting me from? I, I don't know, but I think about it a lot. In the past year, I've been thinking this. Was he protecting me from my own pride? From my own ego? Maybe he's protecting me from the idea that I think I can handle it on my own. 
What is he protecting us from as a church? Is he protecting us from the idea that we don't need him? That somehow we're fine? That somehow we can just kind of coast along? You understand that when God prunes and he cuts things back, did you remember what he said? So that we would produce what? Even more fruit. In this past year, I think about the ways that that's happened. That's the commitment to our community of reaching out in that rhythm that we talked about before. Of seeing people come to know Jesus as you just witnessed this morning and going public with their faith. God's pruning is his protection, not just protecting us from things, but to also guide us to what he's ultimately has for us. And it's incredible. He goes on to tell his disciples this in John. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. That's a promise, it's a guarantee if you remain in him. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. It's this idea that he is our source in everything that we do, that we have to remain in him, that we need to constantly look to him as our source that we are always going back to him, that we are always remembering that he is the one that produces in us this amazing fruit. And if you're a follower of Jesus, I would ask you like, as he's pruned things back in your life over the last year, have you seen more fruit in your life? Have you seen do-overs in ways maybe that you didn't expect? He goes on to say this with his followers. He says, but if you remain in me, And my words remain in you, pause, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. You understand? Remain, other translations use the word abide, right? The idea that we should stay close, the idea that we should be together. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Get this, yes, your joy will overflow. If you're a follower of Jesus, that joy that's inside of you should overflow, not just between you and God and between you and one another, but it overflows into our community. It overflows into the people that we come into contact with all the time, every single day, every single week. It flows out of us and it invites others to know and follow him Two, it's an amazing joy that we have because of the sacrifice that Jesus made. He leaves his disciples with this. He says, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Get this, this is crazy. I no longer call you slaves. I can't remember a time when Jesus ever called his disciples slaves. But maybe that's how they felt about God sometimes. 
that he's in charge of everything, he's just controlling everything. Look, look, because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. There's a different relationship now that Jesus is making his sacrifice. You are my friends. Why? Because he's the one laying down his life for us. You are my friends since I have told you everything that the Father told me. He's not holding anything back from us anymore. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. You understand the you in that, in that passage is not just singular. It's plural, right? Sometimes when I read that, I'm thinking, oh, you, it, it means me. But it also means you. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to a group of people. He's talking to people who are his followers. And he's saying, look, I have called you. I have chosen and appointed you as the body of Christ. I have chosen and appointed you to produce much fruit. It's the, it's the you all. Or if we're in the South, we would say y'all, right? Of course, in the South, y'all is singular. My dad's from Wisconsin, so he jokes that in the South, the plural is all y'all. And so Jesus is saying, hey, all y'all need to remain in me. All y'all are called to a purpose. As Ocean View, as this local body of believers to have an impact in our world, locally, regionally, internationally, to help people follow Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus in this room, like we're going to have a moment here in a little bit and we're going to just celebrate communion. And again, it's not an event. It has to be much more than that. It has to be a change in our thinking, a change in our spirit. It is communion. It's a remembrance of the union that we have with Jesus and the union that we have on mission together as the body of Christ. It's that up, in, and out, kind of all rolled into one. Our relationship with God as we remember what it is that he has done for us. It's our relationship with one another. Our fellowship together in the body of Christ to be united in our mission to reach out and to help others follow Jesus. So just as a note, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with him, then as we celebrate this together, as we commemorate this idea of communion, I would just ask that you, you don't, you, I don't want to feel like you're like excluded, but I just want you to know this is kind of a, a family thing for followers of Jesus. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're brand new and you're not sure about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, then you're just going to play witness to what those of us who are followers of Jesus are about to do. And it's really just a time for us to remember what it is that Jesus did for us to be united in what it is that he has called us to do and that mission that he has given us. Now, for those of us that are followers of Jesus, we have to pause for just a moment because Paul, a, a, a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, he gave some very clear instructions to the church. There was a church in Corinth that was kind of abusing the idea of communion, for them, it was just an event. It was just something they did. It became ritualistic. It just kind of became what it was. It didn't translate into their life. It didn't, it didn't just like cause them pause for a moment. And so rather than just kind of rushing into it, he said, hey, wait a second. You're missing the point of communion. Let's, let's think about it for a moment. This is what he wrote to the church of Corinth. He said this, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. 
The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, the night that he gathered his disciples around that table, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this, and whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me, remembering that sacrifice that he made. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, what are you doing? You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, and what does that mean, unworthy? It means you're just kind of rushing to it. It means you're just kind of making an event. It means you're not stopping to think and consider your relationship with God, your relationship with one another, your relationship with those who have yet to know him. In an unworthy manner, you will be guilty, get this, of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Not just, I love that. Look, you understand that if we don't take a moment and pause to consider our relationship with God, our relationship with one another, our relationship with outsiders, if we don't pause to consider that, if there's anything that's severing that, if there's anything severing our relationship with God, if there's anything, Jesus follower, if there's anything in your life that is causing a sever between you and a fellow brother or sister in Christ, you need to remedy that. Because you will be sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink, get this, without discerning the body of Christ, without consideration, you eat and drink judgment on yourself. I would be be a poor pastor if I didn't share that with you. So don't do that. You understand that there are people (laughs) that I have met in my life And one church I grew up in that that broke communion, they severed ties when they were picking new color for carpet in the building. Like, that's silly, right? But sometimes we break ties in communion with one another over over just the silly things, whether it's like our political ideas, with the way we dress, whatever it might be. There is never a cause for that sever. Jesus died so that we would be united in the mission that he has given us. And at the table, we are unified around that mission. At the table, we are unified around his sacrifice for us. And it causes us to consider that. And outside of the body, are we, are we also then taking that mission out to where we go every single week? Knowing that it is our mission to help people follow Jesus right here at home, in our region, in our nation, our world. We need to consider that. We need to consider our role in the body, that as he prunes back, that maybe it's time to produce more fruit. So in just a moment, we're going to celebrate that. In front of you, uh, you'll see a cup. And on the top of that, there's just some cellophane. You can peel that back if you'd like. On the top of that, there's uh, uh, some bread there to represent the body of Christ that was broken for you and for me. And we're going to pause and we're going to consider that. And underneath that, you can feel the next one back, and there's the cup that represents the blood of Christ. We're going to ask our worship team 
to come and they are gonna sing over us. They're gonna lead us in a time of worship. Now here's the thing. There's opportunity here for you to pause and consider the body of Christ, to pause and consider Jesus, to not take this unworthy, to do it in a way that honors what it is that Jesus did for us, what he did for you, and what he has called us to. So don't rush into this, as Paul wrote, warned against. Like, don't just, don't just make this an event. They're going to lead us in a time of worship. And any, at any point, you are free to worship by taking these elements together. If you came with your family or a loved one, like, like you can gather with them. You can share. Remember, this is a shared experience. You can share with them what it is that God has placed on your heart. You can pray together. You can pray to him. If there's somebody that, that maybe there's a, a sever in your relationship, maybe you need to make the decision right now to, to repent, to ask God to forgive you and to seek forgiveness from that person. If there's something severed in your relationship with God, today is the day that you can make that right. It's, it's you and him. It's us and him. It's we together on mission, unified in the sacrifice that Jesus made. So as they sing for us, as they sing over us, you can worship in your heart, in your mind. If you're at home and you're watching online, hopefully you've gathered yourself. You can, you can worship. Even though we're far apart, we can still have fellowship together. We can commune together. Because it's not an event. It is who we are. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for the reminder that this is a shared experience. As much as it is shared with you, as much as it is that Jesus shared it with us, God, that we share in this together. And as we worship you, God, would you, would you call to mind anything that doesn't look like you? Would you help us to repent of that, to cling to the cross, the sacrifice that Jesus made, to know that we are made new, that this is a do-over? And as often as we come together, that we would remember you. As often as we come together, God, that we would be an encouragement to one another, God. And as we come together, may we be unified in helping others know you. God, thank you for this very real, tangible way to remember you and what you've done in us and what you do in us and through us. God, we worship you now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.